We are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, church. Um, This is a recording of Sunday morning's message on 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And what we've been doing is we've been uh, in a series called Authentic Church, which is all about working together through the different various challenges of life. And um, this week we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And at the start of the chapter, it says, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. And right at the end, it says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And so at the bookends of this chapter, at the start and at the end, we have this phrase, do not lose heart. So guess what? I've entitled this, this you know, Sunday morning's talk, I entitled, do not lose heart. And um, it's a really, it's, I guess it's an encouragement to keep pressing on. And I wonder for you, have you ever lost heart? Have you ever lost heart? It can be so easy sometimes, can't it, to to lose heart? You know, you, you invite someone to church and it just happens to be that Sunday morning where things are a bit wacky. Perhaps the sermon isn't as good as what you'd hoped or um, someone brings tongues in the service and it's just, it just doesn't go so great. And you're like, oh, it, you can lose heart. Or you, you kind of invite someone around and you invite another Christian around and they start getting chatting and they start going into all the you know, end times or all sorts of weird conversation and, oh, you can lose heart. So sometimes we can lose heart when, you know, other leaders let us down or ministry leaders let us down or something doesn't quite work out. We can lose heart when we've been praying for God to break through in that situation or that relationship or on that finances or on that job. And it's like, come on, God, where are you in all this? We can lose heart. We can lose heart sometimes when that relationship that we've been in for years and years and years just is hit going for a really tough patch and it's going hard or the business that we're in is not doing so well or we can lose heart with our politics and our leaders. We can lose heart when we've just started university and it's not quite what we expected and like, God, what is going on? It's easy to lose heart, to go through the different challenges and trials of life and we can lose heart. And, you know, Paul, he had so many reasons to lose heart. He was persecuted by other people. He had started churches and many of them were kind of failing in different ways and it's great that we get so many of his letters to see what was going on in those churches and how we can grow in our church and that's why you know going through 2 Corinthians we can look at well what does an authentic church meant to look like from Paul's eyes. There was um, he had he battled unbelief, he was in prison, he was abandoned, he was shipwrecked. He had relational breakdowns. He had disagreements with other leaders. There was people questioning his own leadership, even the very people that uh, that he had like set forth, that he had shared the gospel with. And, you know, we've talked about context in the last few weeks of there where we got this book, 2 Corinthians, where he just, you know, a year ago, he'd written 1 Corinthians. And this church that he'd got going is now listening to other voices, other leaders and um, and it would be easy for him to lose. Oh, I was like, come on, guys. Like, you know me. I've been with you. And and uh, and yet, 
in this very passage, when he has many, many reasons to believe in heart, he writes to the church, come on, look, there's all sorts of things that can go on, but we do not lose heart because God is at work. He is merciful. And it's because of him that we even have this ministry to begin with. It's because of him that we have the gospel. It's because of him that we've got a father who loves us. It's because of him that he's at work changing lives and transforming people. And so, so far, in fact, across the book, we've been given reasons. And so in week one, Stuart came and talked to us, didn't he, about the God of all comfort. And he reminded us that actually God is the one. He He is at work and he's He's comforting and so uh, those verses um, that come out of verse three and four in chapter one say this uh, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of compassion the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so there's one reason not to lose heart because we've got a God who comforts us who's with us he's a father of compassion he wills and acts to move on all those he loves and then in the second week, we, we heard about how uh, I came and preached and we talked about how God is at work, um, even through the midst of the mess. And Paul reminds the church there uh, in verse 20 of chapter one, no matter how many promises God has made throughout the whole of scriptures, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. God is at work. Even in the midst of challenges, even in the midst of mess, we can look to our Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, who's, who in him, all of God's promises to never leave us, to never forsake us, are fulfilled and are yes in Christ. He is at work and so we do not lose heart. And then last week we heard from Jeff about how we have this glorious future to look forward to. There's this triumphal procession being set forth in our future. And so even though we go through different challenges, actually we can know there's a glorious inheritance to be had and to be known in Christ. And so uh, at the end of chapter 3, verse 18, it says this, We all um, who have unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's just incredible verses. Hey, come on, don't lose heart, church, Paul is saying. He's encouraging us throughout all these chapters of this book, that even though there's challenges afoot, even though there's uh, trials to work through, an authentic church is one that doesn't lose heart. And this week, we're going to see, he starts off, therefore, since we've received God's mercy, don't lose heart, and he ends, therefore, don't lose heart. So what is it in the middle of this chapter that he tells us not to lose heart about? And that's, uh, that's going to be form the basis of then today's message. And so the first, there's three things that I want to put out. And the first thing is, don't lose heart even when other messages seem more impressive. And we'll read those verses in a minute. And so the context is, remember, there's these super apostles um, who, and these people, they basically come along. Paul wasn't around. They've come along and they're essentially giving the Corinthian church a new message. Uh, they're a bit underhanded. They refute Paul. They're cunning. They promote themselves and their own ideas and their own agenda and their message seems impressive it seems great you know they're they're kind of challenging Paul you know hey we've heard this before Paul's kind of in a bit of a mess he's get flogged he gets beaten he gets whipped and they're kind of saying well if he's really full of the Holy Spirit surely God would protect him from those things and oh yeah the you know the Corinthian church thing, oh yeah that's maybe that's true and so they start listening to these other people and so Paul says 
in chapter four, then we're going to read verse one to six. He says, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced the secret and shameful ways of these other people. We do not use deception like they do, nor do we distort the word of God, which is what they're trying to make the message of God more palatable and they're distorting it. And he says, no, we don't do that. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine in out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. These are incredible pictures that come forward and you know in today's world we can find all sorts of messages that look more impressive and the world would like to tell you and our society and our universities and the media like to tell us how to do finances and they like to tell us how to do sex and they like to tell us how to do relationships and they like to tell us how to do identity and how to do religion and how to do speech and what to do with our time and how to what to do with our bodies and they tell us what life after death looks like and it tells us, hey, you just need to live your life to the full. YOLO, you only live once. So if this life is all it is, come on, fulfill every desire, fulfill every um, want and craving. That's what the world tells us. And the Bible tells us differently. It says, no, no, actually, there is life after death. After there is a context within, within which to have relationships and to do marriage and to do sex. And there are, there are encouragements about what to do with our body and what to do with our time and what to do with our money. And it's tempting to listen to the world. It's tempting to listen to other people. It's tempting to listen to other impressive messages like the Corinthians were. And Paul comes up, no, come on. We don't distort the gospel. We don't use deception. We don't. Uh, announce things in secret and have all these secret shameful ways we don't veil things and even if i even even if it seems veiled well actually this is this is god at work he's the one that's transforming and so he, he sort of defends something of the veiled nature of the gospel because not everyone receives it gladly and joyfully um but it's not because the message is veiled or the gospel is veiled it's just because god sometimes closes hearts to the gospel and so what it can be is it can be tempting with this message of the gospel, with the Bible, with this thing that seems out of date and thousands of years old to want to distort the message, to make it more palatable, to change it. It's be tempting to do those things. It can also be tempting to listen to the world. It can be tempting to be passive in our faith. It can be tempting to believe that Christianity is dying out. And yet we know today that 30,000 people will put their trust in Jesus. They'll come to know God of the Bible. We know that all the people in the world that believe in the God of the Bible today is more than the sum of all the years put together previously up to this point. It can be tempting to feel ashamed of what it says in this good book. And Paul uses amazing imagery. He goes back to Genesis chapter one. It says, no, when God says, let light shine in the darkness, come on, the darkness didn't put it out. That light had purpose it burst forth it was good it shined in the darkness it brings God's glory in his life and it's good news and it sets people free this is a good thing this is a good gospel this is a good bible and so come on church when other messages seem more impressive let's not lose heart 
when other things in this world promote themselves and put themselves up on a pedestal and say, hey, this is how to live, we need to line up. Is that what the word of God says? And when it's different, hey, we don't lose heart with the word of God. We take courage. We stand firm. We live for Jesus. We seek God. We ask him to fill us with his Holy Spirit and we press on with what he is calling us to do. And we allow the gospel, the Bible, the word of God to be the foundation and the cornerstone of our worldview and our life as we live it. So come on, let's not lose heart. Second reason not to lose heart is not to lose heart when life gets tough. See, life can be tough in a number of different ways. It can be tough because we're weak. And uh, we don't live up to our own standards and we don't quite do the things that we want to do. And, you know, we can we can have weak mortal bottles and we can kind of lose heart. because Oh, God, I'm just not good enough and I'm not worthy enough. But also it can be tough because of external pressures. There can be expectations on us from family, from work, from college, from university. And we can feel that pressure. There can be com- things that we've committed to and we feel the pressure to make sure that we uh, keep those commitments. There can be assignments that we have and oh, there's pressure to get the deadline done. There can be relational pressure. There can be all sorts of pressures externally on us. And then, as I mentioned before, there can be internal pressures from our own weakness. And so Paul writes this. In uh, verses 7 onwards, it says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. It's because we're weak. So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. That we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, of course, yeah, it is. But life is at work in you too. You see, what Paul is saying is, sure, none of us are perfect. We are weak. We can, we can, we can have all these external pressures. And so what he relates that to is like a jar of clay. See, jars of clay, they're fragile. They're weak. They can crack they um, can perish. They're, they're not like, you know, incredible in, in that sense. They're, but what's inside them is glorious. It's amazing. And on Sunday morning, all our kids, they, they made jars of clay actually and put a light inside a little candle. And so they've been burning that during the week to remind them of, you know, actually God, the gospel, the word of God, Jesus himself and the Holy Spirit. They're like a wonderful light and treasure in our lives, even if our, even if the body, our clay is weak. And you know what? Man looks on the outward appearance and they did. They looked at Paul. Oh, look at his suffering. Look at his weakness. Look at, but Paul says, no, no. Man looks on the outward appearance, but come on, God looks at the heart. It's not about what's on the outside. It's about what's in the inside. And so, yes, we might be afflicted. We, we might go through hardship. Um, we might be pressed, but we're not crushed. We might be perplexed, but we're not in despair. We might be persecuted. Hey, but come on, we're not abandoned. We might even be struck down. You know, Paul was physically with stones. He was, he was flogged several times. He was stoned several times, but he wasn't destroyed. And it's a good reminder. Come on, life does get tough. It gets tough. And when we feel the pressures and when Paul faced the pressure on every side, yes, he, it was hard and he was perplexed, but he wasn't in despair. He was persecuted. He must have been perplexed when he saw the, these Christians that he'd, he'd put together run away. But come, no, he's not in despair because he knows that God is at work. 
He would have been, he would have felt struck down when people were stoning him, but he wasn't destroyed because he knows that God is at work. And even though he's experienced something of Jesus' death in that moment, he also knows Jesus' life through the spirit in him. And so I wonder, what about you? You know, how, what's life like for you? Where are you feeling that it's tough? Where are you feeling crushed and, or, or yeah, yeah, sorry, where are you feeling like pressed on every side? Where are you feeling perplexed? Where are you feeling persecuted? Where are you feeling abandoned? Be encouraged, Paul says. Come on, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Yeah, we do, we do um, identify with Jesus sometimes through our sufferings because he also suffered and he identifies with us in that. He knows what we're going through. But also we identify with him in his life, in his resurrection power and life in your life. You can know that today. The reality is, is that when you are in Christ, he is always with you. And he gives you life. And as you follow him, there is a cross to bear. There is hardship. Christianity, the gospel, it is foolishness. It is foolishness because dead men don't rise. But it's life to all those who believe. It's life to all those who trust in him. It's life for all of us who are filled with the Holy Spirit and can walk through these challenges, can walk through the trials of life as an authentic church, not losing heart because we know that actually... We, although we are jars of clay, although we are weak, although we are fragile, although we mess up, there was precious treasure inside us of God's Holy Spirit and his gospel. So come on, don't lose heart, even when other messages feel more impressive. Let's don't lose heart when life is tough. And then thirdly, don't lose heart, even when you don't see success in brackets. See, Paul, on the outward appearance, did not seem successful. There was major things that his opponents leveled at him you know how can he be full of the holy spirit when he's experiencing all these things you know when he when he died and just think about it you would have had, when he was when he yeah when he was killed by the romans all these different churches are in a bit of a mess you know after he's planted these churches they're all in a mess he writes to the galatians and he says oh, i'm astonished that you're so quickly abandoning the truth which you know we set for and he doesn't look on the outward appearance like success, like he's, you know, like he's successful. But again, we've already said um, God looks on the outward, uh, sorry, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Let's just read the verses that we get that from. It says this, it is written, I believed, therefore I've spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore we speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus. And present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we've been renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles See, in, in chapter one, he said, oh, I'm, I'm feeling this pain almost more than I can even bear. And now he relates to that same challenges, all the same trials that he's facing in prison and other places. Actually, he sees them as light and momentary troubles. They're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs all the challenges we go through. The eternal glory far outweighs what we experience now. So what do we do? So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, on the seeming success of this world, but on what is unseen. Seen what is see, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we don't lose heart when we don't see 
seemingly like worldly success. You know, we can lose heart, can't we, when we invite someone and they say no. And we can feel that as a personal rejection. We can lose heart when we talk about something and they, we get ridiculed about it. We can lose heart when um, we pray for someone and nothing happens. I was at a conference uh, last week and uh, it was really encouraging actually and they talked about um, how when leaders get together um, the questions that come up ask like often to do with A, B, C, D. Oh, so how's your, uh, how's your attendance? A, how's your attendance at your church? Because that's see- seemingly success. If you've got loads of attendance, that's, that's success. And, or B, oh, have you got a building? Oh, you haven't got a building. Oh, that's a shame. What, are you looking forward to get a building? When are you going to get that? Or if you have got a building, well, how much does that cost? Or are you mortgage-free? How are you doing with that? C, is cash. Oh, how are you doing? Have you got enough cash coming in? Are people giving? Is that good? Is it up? Oh, how was that gift day? Oh, it was good, was it? And then D, this is one that kind of got me, was digital, um, like, kind of platform. And um, I remember, actually, when the uh, Queen died, and suddenly I saw all these amazing messages from all these different church leaders, and I really felt the pressure to put something out on the digital world about, you know, my condolences and something about her faith. And I I honestly, I really felt the pressure, like, oh, I need to say something to show that that I care and to show that I respect the Queen and to show that I recognise her faith and to... And you know what? That pressure overwhelmed me a bit and I just had to pause. And I just took the next 24 hours, I didn't post anything that day, I took the next 24 hours to just listen to the news, to, you know, hear about her life, to, to read the different tributes that were coming in all around the world. And I just had to die, die to that kind of worldly success. And then the next day, once I regrouped, I was able then to reflect on what I'd seen and what I'd read and post something. We changed the things then. And, and it was interesting. I was like, oh, like suddenly I realised that success in the eyes of the world or the pressure that I was feeling to be successful was to make sure that my digital platform, you know, our website, our social media is all snazzy and looking good and graphics. And do you know what? If Jesus was going to walk into any of our churches or whenever we read through the Gospels, none of them walk in and, and ask the question, oh, so what's your attendance like last week? Or None of the apostles asked that. None of the apostles asked the question about digital platform. None of them asked about buildings. None of them asked about cash. What they want to see is, are you being faithful? Are you being faithful? Do not lose heart when you don't see success in the worldly eyes. What we call to is to be faithful. Not looking to the things that are seen, but what is unseen. Since what is unseen is eternal. And it's working in us, isn't it, to produce this eternal glory. These light and momentary troubles, hey, they might look like failures in the eyes of the world. They might look like all sorts of... Uh, hardships but actually the faith that wells up through through Christ Jesus given to us will achieve for us an eternal glory that far outweighs all these challenges God is looking for faithfulness and it's not our job to bring salvation it's not our job to bring the healing it's not even our job to bring the people to church on a Sunday what is our job it's our job to love people it's our job to care for people it's our job to invite people it's our job to ask people it's our job to pray for people it's our job to read it's our job to give it's our job to preach it's our job to worship it's our job to be faithful and it's god's job to bring the salvation it's god's job to bring the restoration and the transformation and the renewing only he can do that and so we're called to the great commission and the great commandment to love god of all our hearts we do that through building family to love others as ourselves we do that by helping others and 
to the Great Commission to go into the world to share the good news of the gospel with all people, creating disciples of all nations. That is sharing Jesus, building family, sharing Jesus, helping others. That's what we're about as a church and God will do the rest. So let's not be people that lose heart when the scene doesn't look successful. Let's be people of faith, of obedience, of courage, of taking steps to trust Jesus. So there we go. There's the three things that are pulled out of our passage today. Don't lose heart when the message of this world seem impressive. Don't lose heart when life is tough and we're going through challenging life times. Don't lose heart when we don't see success in the world's eyes. No, come on, let's be people of faith. Let's be people, let's be authentic church that steps into the things that God has called us to. Let's be authentic church that keeps pressing on, that keeps being faithful, keeps praying, keeps worshipping, keeps reading, keeps trusting, keeps hoping, keeps being obedient, keeps casting off sin and stepping into what God's doing in us and through us and amongst us. God bless you. Love you. Have a great week in life groups this week as you discuss chapter three and chapter four and look forward to seeing you next Sunday. So come on, don't lose heart. Let's keep pressing on, trusting God for all that he has for us. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.